0: Now, obviously, we could proclaim the gospel, even if we sucked at it. We should proclaim it because it's that good. It's the story of what Jesus did. But way more powerfully as a missionary when your proclamation is just simply describing to people what they've been experiencing as they've been in your space. So, you know, uh, reteaching the gospel is so important. It's it's really not just a set of doctrines or beliefs that we're trying to get somebody to pull the lever on, Um They literally should be going, hey, that was like the other night at your house. That was like amazing. Like, have you guys been doing that a long time? You know, so those types of questions where people are leaning in, remember that scripture talks about being ready when people ask you questions. That's what we're talking about. A lived gospel and then a proclaimed gospel.
1: Welcome to the Everyday Disciple podcast where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, thanks he thanks for the handoff, brother. Hey, it's good to be with you all today as always. I love I love doing the show with you. This is probably my favorite thing. It's certainly one of the very favorite things I get to do. I I love to communicate and talk about the gospel and discipleship in all of life, and this podcast is a blast. I love doing this with y'all every week because I get to think through and talk about what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're communicating it and who we're equipping and all that. So, By the way, too, I still got one slot left for a team of couples. If you and maybe a group of your friends uh, at, at your church your small group or uh, community or in a, in a network you're a part of, whatever, want to be in a coaching cohort with Tina and I and learn the framework and all the different tool sets and, and gospel fluency to live this life in community, on mission, multiplying and all that, um, check it out, right? Go, You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching and you can take a little look at what that is. I have one slot left for like a team of couples and we're getting started real soon, so um, at least go take a look at that, and uh, you know, I'd love to have you join us and maybe fill up that last slot, all right? Hey, let me move on. Today, I am really excited to have my friend Hugh Halter on the podcast with us. He's, he was on, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. That's a blast. He's for sure one of my best pals and a real motivation to so many people in the church for how and why we get to live together in Community on Mission, And I feel like Hugh puts a real honest and achievable spin on missional living that really brings it to life, makes it seem doable, and motivates people, myself included, right? And he's done that throughout his many books, including The Tangible Kingdom and his book Flesh and Bivo, Bivocational Living book and all that. And he's also one of my favorite live speakers. He really is. so, But he's a bit hard to nail down at times, but I kind of blackmailed him into being with me today. So let's hear the conversation that we had about shifting small groups, existing small groups, to really live as missional communities at a time that the church desperately needs it. All right, here we go. All right, so here I am. I can't even believe it. I get to talk to my brother, Hugh. It's a hard guy to nail down and Due to technology, I even get to see you while talking. Man, yeah. you look good, bro. You are looking awesome good. Special. Trip. You are old. special. Did you tell me the other day when we were kind of setting up this uh, recording that you and Cheryl been like living on a bus or something, driving around well, the country?
0: We've done two trips. Yeah. We re- renovated an old prison bus and uh, we're getting set to go on our third trip down to the Floridas and up all the
1: way. You're going to go up East Illinois t- down to. <laughs> yep. Wow, man! Listen, being old, the, though I love being old. The church has changed a lot since we last hugged each other's necks and saw each other in person. I can't even believe it, and I'm glad to hear you're out on the road. How are you finding things? Like, what's your hope right now? What's your outlook on on the church? And
0: well, you- personally, we're having a blast because I think we learned 25 years ago how to just live like a missionary in the neighborhood. But you're right; I think. uh, like the reality, March 15, 2020, 95% of all the churches in America stopped having a church service. And they lost their mind, except for the little, what I call the coronavirus cockroaches that had learned to live in the cracks and crevices of humanity prior to that. So there, there are, I see quite a few people doing really well. They're, they're like, they've been missionaries for a long time. They go, no problem. We got this. But the general church at large, the people that are used to having the paid professionals fire up the band for them on Sunday and load the the minivan with the kids, that world is coming to an end. So I think people are uh, are caught in the crosshairs right now.
1: Yeah, we're, we're seeing the same thing. Early on, we were saying, hey, writing's on the wall, and those who are making disciples and living in community are going to do fine. And when this thing finally does lift or whatever, guess who everybody's going to want to continue to hang with? But those who are just kind of put a plug in it or, you know, a finger in the hole and they're just waiting for everything to go back. I said, I don't I don't think it's gonna and I don't think you want it to. Yeah. Um, one of the big things we've been saying is what if this uh, what if this pandemic didn't happen to us, but it happened for us as the church? <laughs> like we we get to I, I've been stoked. I told people like these are prayers answered after a couple decades of living this way and trying to help people sort this out. So, yeah, I agree. Well, listen, last episode, I talked about some ways that the church could begin to shift towards a more outward focus, and I gave them some very easy sort of handles to do that, five little simple steps. If you didn't hear that episode, go back and hear that. But I promised this week that I wanted to talk about specifically how, how leaders, either of, of a small group or someone in a small group or a pastor or maybe someone who's in charge of small groups, could start to shift their small groups towards a more outward focus and, and, and be a part of the new predictable patterns of being the church. And so for some churches, they say, well, we don't have that. Um, others, they have that container. They have that sort of tool, that vehicle where people are already outside the building. that kind of want to hang out. But my experience has been a lot of those people said, well, but my small group wasn't that rocking before the pandemic, but we're trying to keep it together. Maybe it's even a little more important now because we're not seeing each other at the building on Sunday, so that's what I want to talk about with you, brother. Because I know you've you've given a lot of time and effort and uh, your heart and ministry to helping people do exactly that: take communities and live on mission, be incarnational. And uh, what are, what are some of the things that you think if people have a small group going or a series of small groups, or maybe they're a part of a small group? What are some of the things that are going to be really important for them to know and maybe start to consider? Uh, up in the ante a little bit, you know, put more effort to it. And in the months ahead, it's connected to their small groups. Yeah.
0: You know, the place I start with people is not to necessarily think about, like, a new thing to add to your life that's already a little crazy. So I I talk about reconfiguring your life. Like, this is an opportunity to live a more natural kingdom life with our friends. Um, And as you said, be the church. You know, a church that is not outside-oriented is really not the church. Church was always a missions movement. And so, you know, we started training people 25 years ago to live as a missionary here, just like they would anywhere else in the world. And to me, it's not a to-do list. It's like a new way to live. So lifestyle. Think, yeah, it's a total reboot, but I think people will love it if they get into it.
1: But for, for most christians most of our brothers and sisters they haven't and so they kind of lean immediately to like do to be okay so tell us the stuff we should start doing baby steps right and it's and and that's understandable but as you and i've talked for years about like unless people are you know formed in their identity first all these new cool steps people just vote based on convenience just like they have been doing for sunday
0: (laughs) identity because honestly that's where you know, if people are going, okay, I, I want my small group to have a little more zing. I go, no, let's talk identity. Let's talk you as a missionary for a while. Let's really yeah. make sure we've locked in that we are missionaries and let's get the word missional into our vocabulary. And then the second identity piece is a word uh, we, we use called incarnational, which is mm-hmm. the way that Jesus embodied himself into life. And so if, if you can get understand that your role in the world is to be like Jesus, to be missionally oriented out there with people, but to live as he did in the neighborhood, you're, you're well on your way. as we. That's
1: such a huge piece of it right away. And for those who maybe that word incarnational is newer, I know whenever I type it into any kind of a document, my, my spell check doesn't know what the heck I'm saying. You know, incarnate is, it really means with flesh on, right? The word from Latin or Greek, carne, carne. You know, it's where we get carne asada, man, our favorite burritos and tacos, right? So to incarnate, Jesus came and he was God with flesh on. So just for, you know, just for those who might know that. So this idea being, are we going to be Jesus with flesh on or Jesus with a book? And we hide out in a closet and it's or in a small circle like a holy house. the way,
0: the fleshy side of Jesus is the most important side, honestly. It's not just that he came to die for sins, but came to teach us how to be us again, how to be human. And right now, if you look at the problem with people outside the church not having any interest coming in, even if we had a cool in thing, right? They just don't like us. We have terrible street cred right now. And and the, the fleshiness of Jesus is designed so that people would actually go, you know, I love love Hugh and Cheryl. I love Tina and Caesar. I just love being in their space. That's the point of this, is that we become different humans.
1: So that they'd know Jesus and be able to receive his salvation and all. But we always want to start with, let's identify our differences. Let's point out their sin and and all the stuff they don't even understand or agree with. And then let's spend a long time arguing about something, get them to say a prayer. And then we can start to act like Jesus with them.
0: <laughs> so, Get on arrival.
1: Yeah, totally. Doesn't work. Okay, so another big thing uh, is the importance of, of everything flowing out of the gospel, not just in our own hearts, but then the ability for us, we use the word, gospel fluency, um, the ability that when we're incarnating, when we're living life with Jesus, like Jesus with people, when they're hanging out more because they like us and they kind of get this idea that maybe this kingdom of God thing might be for me, uh, that we actually have some good news to speak. And I'm not talking about, you know, people who listen to the Everyday Disciple podcast a long time know what I mean. Like gospel fluency isn't like, I could quote a chapter and verse for every single situation, man. I could quote some Bible, you know? We're talking about, do do you actually know how to good news people in light of the gospel? and is your life a living picture is your marriage is the way you parent a living picture of the gospel.
0: Yep, so we always go now obviously we could proclaim the gospel even if we sucked at it we should proclaim it because it's that good it's the story of what Jesus did but yeah way more powerfully as a missionary when your proclamation is just simply describing to people what they've been experiencing as they've been in your space. So, you know, uh, reteaching the gospel is so important. It's, it's really not just a set of doctrines or beliefs that we're trying to get somebody to pull the lever on. Um, they literally should be going, Hey, that was like the other night at your house. That was like amazing. Like you guys been doing that a long time, you know? So those types of questions where people are leaning in, remember that scripture talks about, being ready when people ask you questions about yeah that's what we're talking about a lived gospel and then a proclaimed gospel
1: yeah and it's it's amazing to me how and here again we've said this so many times before on the podcast um most people's understanding of the gospel is so tiny it's something about a prayer they said at youth group or one time when they thought they were going to have to you know they're getting sick they got a bad doctor report or whatever and they they threw up this Hail mary prayer kind of thing about their afterlife yep and they have such a small gospel it's like does does really does our faith and does Jesus speak into like my parenting and and my job loss and, and that bad that call from the doctor and and my and my atonement issues and all that? We have such a small gospel and that's a big part of what I think uh, like people living in community and small groups get to do is we get to go deeper. like we get to talk about these things with each other sort of as the practice ground. Like if you can't talk and share your faith and good news like your best friends, your brothers and sisters i hold out little hope that you'll actually be that way at the gym or you know walking around the neighborhood and you run into you know another buddy or a single mom pushing her kid around or you know what i mean i just don't think it's going to leak out accidentally brilliantly if you don't speak it ever
0: you know this is the uh, little key we have you know literally thousands of small group leaders that will ask you know why is the small group thing not working um, and it's because we've missed the idea of community. So when you just brought that word up, most Christians think community is just Christian friends. Uh, biblical community is actually this uh, really unique network of friends mm-hmm. from all degrees of faith and non-faith that are doing life together. And then the non-faithy ones begin to pick up the faith of the ones that have it. Um, and so, you know, not only do we got to reframe the gospel, we've got to retalk or, or kind of reframe what biblical community is like. If you don't have the friends that Jesus would have had, you're not really moving towards real community.
1: Yeah. I can remember, and I've shared this before, I can remember, Hugh, when I was on staff at the big mega church and putting in gazillion hours at the building, you know, mostly holed up in an office um, and coming home. And I had like zero, I remember one day it just hit me. I had zero not yet believing friends like none, no relationships. Like I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but I did see that one buddy on my space from high school. I think he doesn't believe in, you know what I mean? It was like, that was it. That was like the best I could conjure. And there was no time to build those relationships. And then as I kind of got, you know, got done licking my own wounds and I pulled back the lens, I realized none of our pastors or elders are hanging out with anybody that like Jesus would hung hung out with. And if, if we're not as leaders, then... Why would anybody else in the church? And then, how? What are they going to see as the model? What's the model for being a friend of sinners? A couple episodes back, I talked about that. Living as a friend of sinners—that's <laughs> what Jesus was called, as well as he was called a drunk and a glutton because he hung out and ate and drank with people, and they were of questionable character, at least to the to yep. the religious, you know, leaders. It's
0: weird, it's weird to hear that you had a season in your life where you didn't have, because I only know you and Tina the last. You know, 15 years, and I've been in your house, several of your houses, full, full of people, many of who did not know Jesus. Just had incredible time. You've been at the halter, the ranch, and other places, and have seen our network of friends. Same Um, thing. Yep. Yeah. So I guess it can happen, even for those that go. Look, right now I don't have any non-Christian friends. No. Maybe two years from now, we could come over to your house, and there'd be 60 people jammed in for a ball game and hanging out.
1: Or 10, you know, let's like, right. You know, we talk about people.
0: I'm an introvert now. I'd be happy with six, but let's just do more than one.
1: What did you just say? You're an introvert now?
0: An introvert, bro.
1: (laughs) Maybe you always were, but you definitely, uh, see, here's the thing though. Right. And you know this. Okay. Now, now you just sucked me into.
0: Everybody, when I say introvert, they go me too.
1: That means we hate people or we suck at people. No, it has nothing to do with that. No, it has to do with how you recharge, right? Yeah. And we've, we have whole episodes and podcasts and all this stuff about that. There's books written on it. Sorry, you can't hide behind the introvert thing anymore. Hugh, Hugh Halter is a perfect example of that. It, and I do believe you're an introvert, actually, knowing you really well. How you recharge, like you get to a point point, you're like, and enough, and you go yeah. you, you hide out or you go well, walking. You
0: and, can't wait for the last person to finally leave, but you're ready to go again next weekend. Yeah, because
1: it's not about loving people or not. See, I think people what they hide behind and they say, Oh, I'm an introvert, that's why I don't want to be around people, It's actually, no, I love me more than I love others. Yeah. And I the way I get to control people's opinion of myself is um I just don't hang out with them. <laughs> Perfect. See, I never have to I never have to wonder what they're thinking or if they, you know, get into an argument or feel badly about challenging them on anything. Because I don't. I just don't. I just avoid it all. No, that's not introversion, that's selfishness. I remember saying that once at a conference to somebody, and I got taken aside. Later, by this like really nice older woman, I can't believe you said she was selfish. And I said she's completely selfish, you know. And then that lady came up to me a little later, going, "No one's ever helped me understand that. You're a hundred percent right. I just fear everybody and love myself so much, I just live in a closet." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you don't have to, sis. That's why Jesus died. We're free. We're free, you know." So. So, you know, we talk about life and community and starting to have, you know, those types of relationship with people. What are some of the things you think are, like, still really cool to hang out with people, and it's not just on Zoom?
0: Yeah. it's uh, And by the way, the number of people, fastest-growing movement, Christian movement that's ever happened in the history of the world is happening right now in the underground church of China and the underground church in the Middle East. And most of those groups are less than 10, um, led Amen. by— unpaid uh somebody said that they think that about 60 percent of the leaders in that underground chinese church are teenage girls i mean so you know this can this can be done by anybody anywhere whatever number but what we find is that when you start moving as a as a little missionary community four four friends four couples whatever it is um you, you do have to set some rhythms that you do it's what we call living out it's like the things that you live out to the culture and we, you know, in our life, we, we had to share a calendar. We, we made a calendar every month with our friends. We said, let's do do these two nights and let's do that on those Wednesdays. And let's do a little Jesus time on every other Thursday night. So we had to set some rhythms that we lived out. And then yeah. we, had to, we had to actually be ready as they began to invite themselves in. And so, um, you know, those are what we call missionary principles that we kind of teach people, living out and then inviting in, just kind of a natural inhale, exhale of what we do to them. And then what it feels like as they move towards us.
1: What are some of the things you're still feeling are fruit and fruit and really most people probably would be able to do?
0: Yeah. Center of the cinnamon roll, as we say, is just simply having a meal with friends, the table. Um, yeah. right now people at least are comfortable, you know, having a meal with a couple friends or a couple couples. Um, and that was a, a rhythm Cheryl and I did. We tried to commit three to five meals a week that we would eat with other people outside the church, outside the faith. Um, and, you know, and our son had really severe, you know, uh, epilepsy. So he's having seizures all over the place. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we maybe shouldn't have felt comfortable having people in the house, but we went, no matter how bad he's doing, he could be on the couch just, you know, unconscious after a grand mal seizure, we can still have people across the room at the table together. So the table became this, the
1: primary missionary skill that we taught people, honestly. And I, and I know too, just cause I- hung out at your house enough with you and Cheryl that the three to five touch points or meals or whatever a week that you kind of decided, Hey, we're going to do first off that's out of 21. So anybody going like, Holy cow. Okay. It's not that much, right? It's a matter of love and intentionality. Secondly, it wasn't that you had three to five dinners a night, like a huge dinner party. I I remember times when I'd even be staying at the house and you were like, dude, I'm out of here super crazy early. I'm meeting a, I'm meeting a dude for some coffee. And it's like, what when like, right after my 5:30 sweaty yoga thing and then i'm going to have coffee for an hour and i'll see you at 8 you don't even get up till then i'm like yeah usually you know so especially when you were living in colorado and there was no oxygen to breathe but you, it wasn't all and i cuz i don't want people to freak out like oh that's it see there's no way i can do 3 to 5 dinners a night we're not talking about that we're talking about a loving intentionality between couples to say hey are we praying about this are we even thinking about this how about this are we even seeing the folks in our own small group beyond the prescribed time? Like, do we see them as family and love them enough and want to be with them? Let's start loving each other. Well, outside of the, you know, the prescribed time, the event, uh, you know, coordinated time.
0: These are when I looked at our life for that, you know, 25 years we lived like this. Um, and even now, um, we had about five nights of the week just to ourselves as a family. Um, but a couple of nights a week, yeah, on a weekend football game, you know, 30 people jammed in the living room watching the ball game. And then maybe, usually one night a week, we have some people over for dinner. And then I would – as you said, share some meals with some guys, maybe at a diner on Monday morning or whatever it is. So my wife would be doing the same thing with some ladies. So you can get some pretty incredible momentum if you are sharing meals. And, you know, if you just have 10 people in your small group and everybody was giving up one meal a week, you'd be giving up 560 meals a year. So it's, it's there's some wow. great momentum for just a little bit of enjoyment.
1: I love that right there. Boy, did you catch that number? <laughs> if you had 10 people giving up a meal, an extra meal a, meal a week with some not-yet-believing friends or sojourners, people on a journey kind of checking out you, checking out Jesus, that's over 500 meals of intentionality. Now, I have to snap the line back to, now, if you don't know the gospel, and and those times are just parties or whatever, forever, no, you're, nothing will happen, right? That's part of being an apprentice. Like, yes. Jesus was hanging out and doing meals and drinking wine with people, I know some people don't want to hear that, but it's, sorry, go read go read the book a little bit deeper. He even made hundreds of gallons, right? First miracle. But he was hanging out and doing normal life, but it wasn't, that was it. He was constantly going, hey, you know, you've heard it said, but what about this? Or here's a little parable for you, you know? Or let me spit in the dirt, and let me spin that around a little bit and stick that in your eyes, and let me tell you what's, you know what I mean? It was like, for those who have ears, let them hear. He was constantly helping people understand. You think, Dad, you think God is like this? No, God's like this. You think the kingdom is like swords and fighting and being ticked off at everybody that doesn't agree with you? No, the ki- kingdom's like these kids right here. They're like open, and they don't, they're not sure, and they're happy, and they're willing to try stuff. And you, We've got to learn how to be and speak those things because that's what pumps up all those incarnational, intentional, simple things like a meal here, there, a coffee with somebody watching a football game. But when, when you're out back taking the trash out and someone's helping you, you get into a 15 minute, pretty deep conversation that you have to follow up on later, but it was some good news in there for people. That's where, see how it all starts to tie together. I don't want people to hear like, well, if I just did more meals. (laughs) Yeah. But so that you can be Jesus in their life and speak the good news of the kingdom and the father, that in fact, the, the second
0: thing we usually try to you know, everybody wants metrics We're like, what are we shooting for? What's winning? What's doing good at this thing? And I tell people meals and then conversations. Uh, just today, I had two conversations at the coffee shop with people we've just been loving on, and they they both called me and just said, Hey, I've got some stuff to run by you. I said, Meet me up at the shop, you know. So, I uh, had a couple cups of coffee after nine cups this morning, but. It's, it's, the, it's the meals that lead to the conversations, and we talked about Jesus both times today. So um, it's very normal. It's actually natural. They, they actually start asking you about things related to God and faith and their life. Um, it's almost like it just comes to you.
1: They totally do, and part of that's because they see the confidence and joy— that you're living with and the humility to say, yeah, but you know what, let me tell you a time when it sucked for me, (laughs) you know, Tina, two days ago, she's, she's, I don't even know this, but she's picked up just a little part-time job at a local bakery just to kind of get out of the house and good healthcare for us and everything. Right. So, but, um, she's been telling me there's this one guy, he's about 35, maybe 40, got some kids, um, uh, I, I'm not sure if he's married or they, he just lives with his, his uh, you know, the mama there. I'm not sure. But he keeps kind of like asking Tina questions about like her parenting and the kids. And, and she's telling him about Team K. But she's also, because of who we are and just how we roll, like Jesus and the kingdom of God and, and the freedom we get to live with is just, it kind of slips in there, right? Yeah. And so two days ago, and she's been telling me about the conversations. He's been, he always brings them up. He he waited around. She says, I noticed when I was kind of getting done and closing up my area and getting ready to head out, he had been kind of humming and hawing around the corner, and when I went out to leave and get in the car, he comes running, and we had about a 40-minute phone call, uh, a conversation, rather, where he just, like, had all these questions and wanted to know how to, you know, how, well, how do you do that? And like, well, but I don't understand. I don't know how to talk about Jesus with my kids and I don't know any of that, you know? And like, Oh, the story of God thing sounds amazing. What? You know? And so, so now him and his, his baby mama are coming over for dinner. Right. So we haven't even had a meal yet and I'm telling you where she works, man. It's not like, Oh, there's all this time in the world, you know, to talk about stuff. It's very corporate kind of closed down. Everybody's got their head down. They keep you way too busy, you know? And, uh, That's that's the thing. I love hearing that. And people don't believe it. People are like, well, no one's going to want to talk to you about that. It's like, nope. We, we, I feel like we almost never have to bring it up. <laughs> people are always asking us stuff. It's weird, you know? But I know we must have. Otherwise, how would they even know we had faith or we had, you know, relationship with Jesus? And so. Yep.
0: That's a great point. I, I don't think I've ever actually had to go ask people anything. But I do intentionally ask them out for meals, see how they're doing. Yeah. And then, as they ask things about God, they will say, "Hey, let's let's meet up again." So there's some intentionality to the invite, but the invite's not like we're coming from left field on them. They're they're You're asking right. us to come at them. So,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about um, a tool. This is going to sound like a big inherent plug, but so what? <laughs> there's a tool um, that I know in my life in ministry we've used a ton that you and Matt Smay created called the Tangible Kingdom Primer. And it was, uh, it was a tool, like a resource for doing together in community to learn some of what we're talking about here, uh, and uh, over eight weeks. And uh, after we met, we actually, I don't know if you remember, but we met because we were speaking at a conference or something, but I said, I want to have a meal with you because I want to talk about this Tangible Kingdom primer. I'm pretty blown away with how easy it is to follow and help people move from sort of that, uh, you know, maybe self-focused, you know, like it's about us type of small group experience um, to like a more outward focus, a more incarnational focus. And I said, but there would be a few things I might want to Change in it, which is arrogant as all get out, especially when you're talking to the guy who wrote it. Um, but you guys were humble, and you said, "Well, what are some of the things that you know you would like to tweak in it?" You know, because I wanted to print up a whole bunch of copies for for us at Soma and change just a couple things. And we talked about them. You're we like, "How about you just edit it, and then if we dig it, we'll print it that way from now on." And we did. And yeah. that's how we that's how we built our relationship and created the Gospel Primer. And I got to help edit the Justice Primer with Brandon. And so I want to talk a little bit about the tangible kingdom primer because there is nothing like well, these all three of these primers are they're just out of man, they're just so good but i I want to unashamedly talk about this tool because I don't know we were just before we got on the call here talking about how many I don't know hundreds of thousands maybe or you know, of these primers are out there and people are using because it's been successful and they go to another church and they're like, we're taking people through the TK primer or, you know, or we're going to go through whatever gospel primer, justice primer. So let's talk a little bit about why you still, you called me up a few weeks ago like, man, this tangible kingdom primer is still my favorite thing. (laughs) I said, I agree, man. What's some, why do you think so? Why do you think this is still a really, maybe more so uh, important tool right now?
0: Well, you know, back in the day, I felt like we were probably 10, 15 years ahead of where the church was going to go. And it's probably true, but now it's it's exactly what we wrote that for, you know? And so Isn't here we are, unique time um, and people just need a little bit of training and then hopefully they can begin to live an intuitive life around the kingdom. But um, yeah, so we, we wrote this. It was really a training for our own church. Um, we had everybody that was coming into our own church to do this. It was our uh, intro to our mission. Or what we call missionary training. And so a lot of stuff you you and I talked about, we we basically set it up as a monastic journey. We feel like it's not, it's not about evangelism. It's really about your own spiritual formation. So we set it up like a monastic community would disciple their own apprentices. And so uh, we set it up on a seven-day-a-week cycle. Every week has the same sort of uh, rhythms to it. You'll get used to it as you see it. Um, and then we go through those eight missionary aspects that you and I kind of just talked about you know uh that's, what is that's what still we, the
1: stuff man that's
0: still what to be incarnational what truly is the gospel, what is biblical community then we talked about the the missionary principles of living out and inviting in and then the seventh and eighth week are about literally being an apprentice of Jesus and then the eighth is called the intuitive life so um you know we don't want which is really to,
1: just for people it's like how to how to start paying attention what the spirit's up to ahead of us, yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's to hopefully get your church, everybody uh, out there, not having to need a program anymore. It's almost to deprogram your church and just get it into the lives of people. This is the way a Jesus follower gets to live in all times and in any place, be it a pandemic or post-pandemic. Um, this There's no reason to go back. This is how God made us to live. And so let's get after it. So, yeah, we, uh, we wrote it. We, we tried to make it because um, I I hate reading. So we made it visual, <laughs> lots of cool pictures. And it's like a piece it.
1: of art. It's for people who have not seen the primer the series.
0: It's to write than even the book that it went with. But if anybody wants to know what the, the TK, it meant tangible kingdom. It's trying to make the, the kingdom of God tangible to our own family and then those around us. And so it's a primer into the life of the kingdom.
1: Yeah. Let me just throw for folks just a little bit more sort of a description on what's going on. So it's an eight week study, you know, uh, in community and it, it follows a seven day, like you said, kind of a cycle, but I want people to know that everybody in the community would be doing, you know, going through this tangible kingdom primer. It's kind of like a journal really is what it is. And, uh, and you learn some stuff and you journal a little bit and you have an action day. There's, um, the, it's a little bit each day. People are going to say, oh, man, we have to get together every day. No, 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 no. You're in your own time doing maybe 15, yeah, 15. 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah. You know? And so, like, day one is an exploration day. So you land a topic, like, the first week, day one. You t- start talking about, well, what is missional, right? And then yeah. day two, hey, here's some scripture and some meditation connected to that. And then there's a little few questions to journal. Day three is a change sort of day, always every week, like whatever the topic is, it's like, okay, this is where we start to get serious. You know, what does this idea mean for my life? Like if I embrace this, how would I start to change? Day four is an action day. So, you know, you got to start doing some of this stuff, really trying it on, seeing if it fits, learning what you suck at, what you're good at, right? And then you get together after that and you do a community day and you talk about how'd that go? Like, what did you experience? You blew that off. <laughs> you didn't do the actions. Well, let's talk about that, you know, right? And then day six is calibration, where you go, okay, um, this is new. This is probably throwing you for a little bit of a loop. Again, here's a reminder of what how Jesus lived. Here's some other examples in community that are going to help you kind of recalibrate your, you know, your compass a little bit. And then that last day, the seventh day of the week, we call it recreate, and it's this idea of resting, right, in in Jesus-completed work, and out of that, then we kind of can create beauty and work and move to the next week. So that we want to remind people, hey, God loves us the same, (laughs) even if we don't do these things, but we get to, right? And so it follows that cycle, 15, 20 minutes a day, a little bit more on Action Day, and then you get a Community Day where you have a meal together or whatever. Now, some people, you might need to do that Community Day on Zoom right now, Or you might need to do it partially. Like, well, some people are coming together, but we still got a couple of folks that are higher risk. Well, they could Zoom in for that discussion on Community Day if they need to, right?
0: Yep. And, you know, the butter on the beans on this thing is that day four and five. You know, the difference between a missionary community and a small group is just simply day four and five. There's action and then there's reflection with those that are trying it so that's the accountability that's where you get to have some fun where you get a little misery like as you say (laughs) hey i didn't want to cross my street because i'm afraid well okay so let's let's (laughs) let's pray over sarah she's afraid you know so you actually get into some real life issues you know without shame but with some actual accountability finally
1: and, you know, I also want to underline that because that is what makes this different than almost every other tool out there or Bible study or, you know, small group curriculum or something is day four and five. There's an action day where you have to actually go do something. And then there's a community day where you process that together and then pray forward. Like, okay, now, now what's that doing to our hearts and how do we move outward? And I want to let people know too, the action days, they're not like crazy, like, okay, action day, go start an orphanage, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or like, you know, open up a a used clothing store and start giving it out to like, you know, poor people. It's like, no, it's like, I think the first week is like, go outside, look across the street. There's humans that are image bearers in those houses. Do you know their names? What do you think about them? Go back in your house, pray for them, you know. <laughs> and if you don't know their names, pray that you'll get to. It's really like that's your action, you know. They're not. Uh, they're not heavy duty. Not heavy duty. All right. Well, man, it is. It's always good to talk to you, brother. I think I feel like we could we could talk about anything for a really long time. You and have you got you you got the primers digital now, right? That's right too. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, a lot of people were like, "Hey, I love this. It's like a piece of artwork. It'd be really cool to be able to open up what I wrote." You know, in my iPad or my phone. And then we have people that are like overseas and they're like, hey, uh, the primer is, you know, like 17 bucks or whatever US, but like it cost me another 17 to ship it to Australia <laughs> or whatever. So we have this, yeah, we, 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 man, we took months and months, bro. And we made it just as beautiful. And it looks like it's flipping the pages and you get to journal in it and it's completely digital. Nice right. Man. And, yeah. And so I, people I can
0: get that people, too. If you're not in, you know, Madagascar, I'd say get the actual book. And also be open to the fact that there's a lot of people that have tapped out of church a long time ago, but they still have some residual faith, ex-Catholics, ex-Protestants. Um, will ex-church friends. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if you give them the book, they will love it. So I would say if you can do the actual book, invite even non-believers into it. They, they will enjoy it. But the piece is very helpful in inviting people. And obviously, if you can't, then you have the digital, but... Uh, Now, you just
1: popped the top off of something. It's like, could I really have a not-yet-believing friend going through this with us? And you can. Like, we've heard about it a ton. Because the language, you guys were very, very careful to write this in such a way that it's not like all this heavy-duty theological church shianity language from the pulpit yanked down and stuck into a you know a notebook it's so practical like oh that's what that means that's what that scripture does oh that changes my heart and I've heard this so many times from the from this from the tangible kingdom primer and the other primers like people going hey you know I got a couple of neighbors and they were like we just anything you do we want in on and we're doing it and they're like holy cow is this who God is and this is what this life as a Christian's like can we actually live this way because I've never seen it. <laughs>
0: the action days just make sure that you know when you're using it that you're honest about it the best way to to invite other people is go hey I, I you guys know we've been going to church we're just kind of done with church but we want to start a new journey of just following jesus just straight up without all the religious stuff um do you have any interest in joining us? It'll just be kind of weird. You'll get a little inside look on on what Christians struggle with. and But we're just going to try to do the life of Jesus. That's the way the invite should go to people. That way they, it doesn't look like you're trying to trick them or bait and switch them into a group or something
1: like that. Or be that. the expert or any yep. of that. Just be humble, be cool, right? Have some food, pop open a beverage that people enjoy. There you go. Hey, Hugh, it is so good to be with you, man. I miss you. I wish we lived closer together. I think one of these days, God's going to move us to the same city where we can really have some fun doing this and and uh, put our, our, uh, our, you know cards on the same table. I was watching a documentary the other day, um, kind of a comedy documentary. I won't even name it because because it would probably shame me. People knew I watched it, but it was it was uh, a comedian and a couple of his buddies that were like knuckleheads hanging out in the woods. And it so reminded me uh, of of some of the stuff that you and I shot a couple years ago. People don't even know I'm talking about, but, you know,
0: knucklehead
1: stuff. Road to Redemption stuff. I'm going to I'm going to send you a link to it, buddy, because it was you and I Except it was way more base than that, unfortunately, you know, (laughs) way more debauch. So, hey, I'm going to let you go, man. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. And I hope people uh, won't be fearful of it. And I hope that if they're saying, well, I want everything you talked about on the front end, I hope they'll consider using this tool, the Tangible Kingdom Primer, because there again, it's... It's proven. God has blessed it. When you see something, like your average book sells like 3,000 copies or 1,500 or something like that. When you see something getting into the hundreds of thousands of people have used it, God's got his hand on it. I promise you. Like, you know, it's, it's real. So please check it out. I'll have links um, in, the, in the show notes. You, I mean, it's pretty simple. You can go to missiopublishing.com and you're going to find it right there, M-I-S-S-I-O Publishing. But I'll put links in the show notes to all that as well. And um, so I'm going to let you go. I'm gonna let you go, my brother. See ya. All right. Thanks for being on, man. I love you. Blessings. Take bye care. Bye-bye. All right. That was, as always, a lot of fun and a lot of shifting of gears. And man, I love Hugh. I love being with him. I love his heart. And that's the thing you gotta know that this is a guy who is a practitioner and his life, him and Cheryl and the and the kids, and they all live this life, it really flows out of their heart of love for other people. They really love Jesus and they love people. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I can't wait to have them uh, back on Again, (laughs) okay. So as always, though, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's talk. So if nothing else, you don't miss these. There could be a lot. I mean, go back maybe and re-listen to this whole episode. Hugh's full of good news there and uh, wisdom. Um, But you can get today's big three as a printable PDF uh, for you know for downloadable and all that's free. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. All right, so here's the big three for this week. Don't miss this at least, all right? First, the fastest growing movement in church history is happening right now through multiplying of small groups. That means we can do this too, right? God has given us a great opportunity to reboot our family and church rhythms here in the West for his glory as well. So your own small group gives you a perfect framework for easy, natural growth and multiplication regardless of the age and stage of life or financial resources or government restrictions you're experiencing. So if you don't have a small group yet, get started today and learn to walk in the ways that Jesus walked with and the type of people he hung out with. It'll, it'll change your life and your faith forever. Second, God's love for you and your church and your community doesn't stop there, right? God loves us, but he loves a lot more people that are still out there. He has brought you together as his family so that more and more of his lost children will find freedom in Christ and live life to the full today and with you, with his family. Plus, your own spiritual formation and maturity will never happen in a holy huddle that's primarily inward-focused. If you want to get to know the heart of God and his son Jesus better, Really live like him, know him, live like him, and dive deeper into living the life he lived with others. And third, don't be content with a mundane, boring, sort of group focused existence that's just based on convenience, you know, what night of the week we get together, "Eh, if it fits my schedule, I'll make it, right? You really can start to shift your small group or small groups to have a more outward missional focus that includes not yet believers and new people of peace. You really can. Start getting equipped so you can do this, right? And and start with those in your group that are interested in learning and they want to grow, which may not be everyone, that's okay. But you can start going through this the tangible kingdom primer together with those that are open to change and have a love for the not yet in your life. Okay. So I'll put a link to the tangible kingdom primer along with a special discount code in the show notes about that. Missio Publishing, the publisher of the Tangible Kingdom Primer, gave us a little special love there, so we'll pass that on. And uh, please check out this amazing resource and start transforming your small groups today. It really will, too. It's proven, and I know you're going to love it. I really know you will, okay? And, and before I go, too, I, I want to just one last reminder that I have one spot open for coaching a team of couples from the same church or organization that can be in a cohort together, and you'll gain the insight, framework, tools, and all the help you're going to need to establish new outward-focused discipleship rhythms in your life, in your small groups, in your church, all right? To check that out and jump on it, because we're getting started soon, and there's only one slot left, go ahead and go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, all right? there you go. Well, hey, time's kind of up. I want to thank Hugh again for being on the show today. I love you, brother, and I hope to have you on again real soon. The rest of y'all, I'll talk to you next week about how the gospel can speak into our parenting during this election season and beyond. (laughs) All right, that's going to be interesting. I'll talk to you soon.